Hey everybody, welcome to Lady Overlander Radio. Tonight we're speaking with Brittany Highland of Hourless Life. Stay tuned. Grab your favorite drink, whether it's a coffee, cocktail, or tea, and get ready. It's Ladies' Night on Lady Overlander Radio. Lady Overlander Radio is brought to you by Artemis Overland Hardware, Midland Radio, Timbotus, U.S. Action Tracks, The Moore Expo, and Adventure Trail RV, creator of the Overland Shower. Hey, Arla. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. How are you doing? Living the dream. Let's go. <laughs> All right. You had a little sickness this week going on. We cannot catch a break in this house. Stay away. Yeah. Got a lot going on. I know. A lot going on. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. But it's good because tonight we're talking with Brittany. We're going to catch up with her. And hey, hey, how you doing? Great. Yeah. Where are you at right now? We are in Coco, Costa Rica. Oh, I love Costa Rica so much. I miss that place. I love it there. Great. So is that on the um, Atlantic or Gulf side or the Pacific side? more. We are on the Pacific side. Okay. We are only about 25 days into our 90 day visa. And so we've only seen the Pacific in Costa Rica. We'll go over to the Caribbean before we leave the country. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. So you guys um, have been out of the U.S. now for, when did you leave? October of last year? We're pushing 10 months. Yeah. October 9th, we crossed the border from Mexico to, or from the States to Mexico. So yeah, almost 10 months. Wow. Almost a year. Getting closer. (laughs) It sounds crazy when you say it that way, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we had you on the show. You were actually our very first guest on the podcast a, a little over a year ago. Yeah. And I think a lot has probably changed since then, huh? Yeah, for both of us, right? Congratulations on a year and for Arla joining the team. It's so exciting. (laughs) Best thing I ever did. (laughs) (laughs) So let's roll into this and give us a little background on these guys right here. Oh, those are my boys. Yeah. So my, my husband, Eric, and my son, Caspian, who's five and a half now, so adorable. we are driving around the world. So yeah, we're almost a year in, apparently, to uh, a 10 <laughs> to 15 year drive around the world. You're nearly done now. <laughs> You're nearly done. No. Yeah. You got a long way to go. So... You guys started um, RVing full-time initially. How many years ago? I think like eight, seven or eight years ago now? We started full-time travel in February 2014. So yeah, it's been eight and a half years. It's all Caspian knows. He was born into this this lifestyle that we chose. Very cool. So how is he doing with traveling internationally? I I know he's traveled internationally before, but... I don't think for this long of a period of time. So how is he handling that and acclimating? Yeah, we took our first overland trip into Mexico when he had just turned two. And then we did another one when he had just turned three. 
And then, yeah, those were just short, like a couple month trips into Mexico. And he was so little. So this is a new thing for him, but he's just rolling with the punches. There are definitely times that I think he wishes he could communicate a little better in Spanish, but his Spanish is getting better and better all the time, just like mine is. And the beautiful thing with kids is that play is a language too. So mm -hmm. he doesn't always have to know a lot of Spanish to get along with new friends. That's awesome. He looks like he's having a pretty good time right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the water has been a big thing. He, he was not an early swimmer and he was not a confident swimmer in the water. But just a couple of weeks ago, he's in the Pacific Ocean with a boogie board and his big goggles that he loves. And the waves are just tossing him and he's just living his best life. He's like a new person in the water. And that's the kind of thing that travel does for kids. It oh, just yeah. pushes their, them out of their comfort zone and they learn so quickly. And it has been thrilling to see. So you think he's gained some confidence and he's definitely grown since the last time I saw him. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's so big. So, so, so big in every way. A little bit too big in some ways. <laughs> I'm, he's going to be the most for... adult kid ever. <laughs> yeah, I... It'll be interesting to see what he does with his life. Very cool. So tell me about um, how you guys came up with the name Hourless Life and how you came up with Love, Explore, Study, Share. Mm -hmm. Well, so like I said, we had been traveling for eight and a half years before this, and we had built five businesses to kind of sustain our full-time travel. And we just kept building and building and building because when you're self-employed, you kind of don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. So we wanted to have different income streams. And by the way, on our blog, hourlesslife.com, I have a huge article about how we afford to travel full time mm -hmm. and it goes back in time. So it's like, what were we doing when we got on the road in the first place for work? How did we sustain all those years and what are we doing now? And it has been this major evolution because we really burn ourselves out pretty badly, especially having Caspian come into the world and not planning well for that work-wise and still trying to juggle everything. And when we realize that we're going to drive around the world, but wait, internet, because everything was internet-based. And so we knew we were going to have to change our entire work structure. And so we did. We kind of burned everything down. We went from having five businesses to having none of those five businesses. And we started something new, Hourless Life, which is the whole idea of, well, we don't have to work a 40 hour work week anymore. We're not tied to a specific schedule like we had always been. We're not beholden to clients. We're, we're living a life where we get to set our schedule. And in doing that, we're really making our family more of a priority and chasing the life experiences that put wind in our sails. And that does not mean that we don't work. We work all the time, but it's a completely different kind of work. It's much more project-based. We might like get a place, like we're in a place this week, as you can see behind me, I'm not in a campground. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and when we have four walls, we work like crazy. Like we work more than 40 hour weeks taking advantage of a space like this, but then we can go out in the Jeep for two weeks and not do any work and it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's a, it's 
amazing how much work you guys actually do because you have the website, you have, I mean, you have tons of articles on there. Eric was just posting a few of them, but you, you talk about a detailed, you know, review of your overland build on both vehicles. You talk about overlanding with children. You talk about how you afford to, to travel internationally. I mean, there's a wealth mm -hmm. of information for anybody that might be interested in starting that kind of lifestyle. I mean, you guys have a ton of knowledge and even from way back when you were RVing and, you mm -hmm. know, just a lot of great, great info on your website. Yeah, thank you. Our archives do go back to 2014. And so we do have a ton of information about full-time travel, RVing, RVing with kids, gear for travel and all that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of people don't know that the blog is there because I guess Instagram and YouTube are way more noticeable these days. And people don't even realize that they can go to ourlesslife.com and we have all of this free information there. But that goes back to what you were asking about, love, mm -hmm. explore, study, share, which is our family mission statement. And we developed that during this major life regroup, when we decided we have to get rid of all these businesses and start something new, but what are we even building and how do we build it right to serve our purpose as a family? And that's why we decided to write a family mission statement and found everything on that that we did. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's fairly self-explanatory, but love, we want to love the people around us, um, even in other countries, even when we don't speak the language or feel like we have a lot in common, there's still so much that unites us as people explore. We don't want to be in a bubble, which it's really easy to do that when you're traveling too, because you want to be comfortable and have stability. But explore helps us get out there and have new experiences and learn new things. Uh, study. We, we want to learn. We really want to learn and reject assumptions that as adults, we may have had for decades, just assumptions about the way the world works, how different people are, what they believe. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like we've learned so much driving through Mexico and Central America and really have tried to sit down with people to learn about them and their history. And then the last part is share. So take all that together and, um, and, and tell other people what we're learning who may not be able to take a trip like this or um, may have certain assumptions about what Mexico is like or about what Central America is like. It's so important to us. And that's why we spend so much time on social media and YouTube and writing. It's a lot of work and it takes a lot of time, but share is such a huge component of who we are and why we're taking this trip. I know that, uh, it takes a lot of time, especially to put out a YouTube episode. I mean, yes. you got your episodes are normally longer than the ones we put out. And I know it takes me quite a long time to put everything together and, you know, do the transitions, cut the uh, yeah, video and the audio and, you know, make it all do the voiceovers. And so how much time do you guys think that you spend per week producing and putting out a video? So Eric does all of YouTube. So he does all the outlines and the filming and the editing. So all credit to him with that. Um, and we launched our YouTube channel um, last year in late February, early March. So we're not too far over a year. 
but we decided from the beginning that we wanted to publish a video every Thursday. And mm -hmm. so that has been our rhythm. And for a while, like we were really regimented about it. So I think if I remember correctly, Monday was our filming day. So we filmed all day. And then Eric started editing on Tuesday and he would usually edit literally all day, Tuesday and Wednesday. So like 16 hours, 20 hours yeah. so that it would be ready to go up on Thursday. And so one YouTube video was literally taking up like half our week. Yeah. And then like a couple days would pass of break and then it was time to do it all over again. And so it actually started causing a lot of conflict in our family, probably around like December of last year or so. It was just taking everything. It was like our entire focus and was taking away from actually being able to live this adventure and be hourless. <laughs> yeah. Entire thing that we were trying to do. We got a tight schedule for all this hourlessness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we just went back and forth like for months trying to figure out like, what does this look like? How do we do this? And so right now we are off the weekly schedule and we've kind of started a new thing where we do it when we feel like it, which mm -hmm. I know sounds really lackadaisical, but it's worked out okay. Um, we're still making content. I mean, Eric was editing today. We'll have another video up soon about Costa Rica, but it's just, it's, there's no more conflict and the videos that we do, we're more excited to do and they're a little bit or, more organic, I think. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. People don't know if they haven't done YouTube, what it takes to yeah. do YouTube. Oh and um, there's so much criticism in that space. And <laughs> really, and just try it. Competition. Yeah. A lot of people putting out, especially, I mean, overlanding is a big thing now. And a lot of people are putting out overlanding content. Yeah. Yes, and definitely. we came to the same situation in our family. I mean, we don't have a big, of, a, that big of a following, but it was getting to be where it wasn't enjoyable because it was trying to get a video out every single week. And now yeah. it's the same thing, you know, we put it out when we feel like putting one out and I feel like it's a better quality and mm -hmm. I take more time on it because yeah. I'm not pressured to get it out at a certain deadline. That makes sense. So, yeah. And there's also so much of a misconception that these people with like 20,000 subscribers or something are somehow getting rich off of YouTube, which, yeah, it's you not know, I, I don't have a problem being really upfront about the fact that at 20,000 subscribers, we make like $200 a month from YouTube. And that's with those like 25 to 30 hours a week. And, and that's, that's not very things, much per hour. <laughs> like nobody can sustain that. No, like nobody can sustain that. And there's no like inspiration to sustain it, which is why I love Patreon and have really come mm -hmm. to love Patreon because the whole point of Patreon is that there are bloggers, there are YouTubers who are putting information out there and it's like a full-time job and Patreon becomes a way to make it sustainable. Yeah. And I like having that because I'm one of your Patreon patrons. Yeah. And I like that you kind of, Thank you. you know, you guys use that to, you know, reach out when you're struggling with something and kind mm -hmm. of talk through it with people, you know, you share candid moments and things like that. I think that's really, really cool. Um, and it feels like even though people, we're not there with you, it feels like there's more of a connection. Yeah. So 
you know. And it's designed that way on purpose. For us, it really isn't about the money. It's about the community, especially because Eric, my husband, is so extroverted. He really needs like deep friendships with people and Patreon has become that for him. So we do, we put like everything out there. I mean, like BFF level, like we're having a horrible day and this is everything that's going on. This is like the conflict that we're having in our marriage and blah, blah, blah. And it's healthy because it's a small community and it's an intimate community. Um, and we have a new thing too, which is really fun. There's an app called Marco Polo and it's a video messaging app. Oh, and okay. it's like literally a way to be like, Hey guys, I'm right here. Look at what I'm seeing. It's like almost first person. And so we're like at the beach and we just do like a pan of the beach. And so it's something that we can do on the fly, whether we're like zip lining or like eating a delicious meal or just want to say hi. And then people can message us back too. So it's been a really oh, good cool. friendship building. And that's just in Patreon that we do it, but it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Cool. So what else have you guys got going on? I know that you, you've been writing for Expedition Portal. Mm -hmm. So how, how often do you submit something to them? Is it yeah, kind that of was when we did that big regroup of like, what do we want to do with our lives? One of my big things was I wanted to write, which has always been the thing that puts wind in my sails that I was not able to do all those years on the road yeah. because we were doing other things to make money. And uh, the writing kind of went by the wayside. So Expedition Portal has been just this amazing catalyst to fulfilling my dream of writing more and writing about the thing that I'm living and that I love, which is overland travel. And uh, so I started writing for them in 2020 during Shelter in Place. And then I've built up a lot more since then. And I would say I've been in a rhythm of like one or two articles a month. Um, it's not a ton, but it's also a really big process because you pitch it. If you're interviewing someone, you have to send the interview questions. They sit on them for two weeks and send them back. And then you write the article and then it goes to editing. So it's like this huge process to get one article up. But uh, yeah, it's been awesome. My last piece just went up about Overland Embassy, which is this really cool new company in Panama City that's helping Overlanders ship their vehicles across the Darien oh. Gap which is between Panama and Colombia. And like that crossing, like the idea of putting your vehicle in a container or on a ship can feel so overwhelming mm -hmm. that some people just never go to South America. Like they would go to South America, but because of this, this logistical nightmare, they don't go. So Overland Embassy is feeling like they're solving that problem because they're facilitating the crossing for mm -hmm. Overlanders. So it's really exciting. Everybody's talking about it. Who's on the cool. Pan American Highway right now? Because it's just it's really it's exciting to that not is pretty have exciting. to be overwhelmed by that anymore. Yeah, you guys will be coming up to that soon. We are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hoping to ship in December. Yeah, that's. I'm sure that's going to be nerve wracking, regardless. But it, mm -hmm. probably learning that process will make it a little easier, and just know having more knowledge about it. Yeah. For sure. Well, yeah. and that it's such a short crossing in comparison to the Atlantic Ocean, which will be our next one. So yeah. it will be good to have a little. It'll give practice. you like a dry run. You, you yeah, can work yeah, up yeah. to that. We'll practice. <laughs> yeah. So you also wrote an ebook that you have on your website. Yeah. And what is that about? That ebook is about everything we wish we had known before we started overlanding full time. 
And uh, it started as a blog post. And then when the blog post was at like 3,000 words, I was like, wait a second, maybe this should be something else. And uh, it's actually, it's based on the presentation that Eric and I gave at Overland Expo last Mm -hmm. year. We did like four or five events. And so we gave this presentation over and over again. And the cool thing about it is that it is not just for people who want to overland full time. It's literally for anybody overlanding, especially people just getting started because it's all the things like go out there and try overlanding before you spend a lot of money on gear or spend money on hands-on training and not gear that you don't know how to use because you don't have the training to use it. So it's things like that, that we have learned by experience. Uh, We made the mistakes and so here they are. So you don't have to make them too. And that's what that is. Yeah, that's the lesson they teach you in the Coast Guard. Don't buy a bunch of gear if you don't know how to use it because when it, the, you know, poop hits the fan, you better know how to use what you have. That's you right. Know, yeah. You got to be well trained on what you have or it's worthless to you. It's useless, you know? Yeah. Well, and Eric has just always told me that he never felt safer than on a Coast Guard vessel because of how well trained you all were. You just, you could do it in your sleep and everybody had a role. Yeah. And, uh, and that's amazing. But as civilians, we think <laughs> that we don't need training. So. Yeah, we're just going to wing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's so yeah. funny. So, he is actually, Eric's getting ready to write a book or he started to, right? He has started. started. Yeah, he started. That's a big deal. It really is. And it kind of came out of nowhere and yet it makes so much sense. So um, his book is not about our travels. It's actually more about um, life lessons that he's learned and um, specifically about the value of time and how a lot of us say that we really value time and understand that every second gone is gone forever. We don't know how much time we have, all these things. We say that we believe them, but our life doesn't necessarily reflect that. And um, so it's a really important book that is, it has nothing to do with travel. It's for everybody. And I'm really excited about it. And yeah, he's, he started writing. He had a call with a writing coach today. So it's real. It's happening. It's going to be good. So cool. Yeah. I I can't wait to read that. Honestly. I mean, it's the truth. Everybody says that they want to simplify their life and they want more time to do this and that and whatever, but we still just pile things on. I'm guilty of it. I know Arla's got, you know, there's days she's like, ah, I got too much going on. You know, I've seen Eric do it. I mean, it's true. You know, you just start taking on more things. And you, then when you look around, you're like, oh my God, I got, there's too many eggs in this basket. There's too many balls up in the air. There's just too much going on, you know? Yeah. Well, and you just look around sometimes and you ask yourself, why? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, back off. I know her husband. Hey, her husband's on here too. Stop it. It's a family show. <laughs> no hitting on our guests, man. PG, PG. Um, Yeah, I mean, we just look around ourselves and we're like, are we living this life for ourselves or are we living it for somebody else? And who made all these rules that we built our entire life around? Mm -hmm. What are we chasing and why are we chasing it? So, yeah, the book is just about it's a lot about the why, like an actual evaluation with exercises to bring everyone back to reality. And uh, yeah, whether it doesn't matter whether you want to have a life that looks like ours of full time travel or your dream is something completely different. It's it's a message for everybody. 
And I think and it's a great message. And I think that, you know, one thing I personally struggle with is I say I want just, you know, peace and calm and quiet and I just want to chill. I don't want to have a bunch of stuff going on. And then when I don't have anything going on, I'm like, okay, I need to be, I should be doing something. I need to be doing something. I should, you know, yeah. I feel lazy. I feel like, why am I not actively engaged in whatever, you know? And it's something you have to literally untrain yourself especially I think, program yeah. yeah and yeah it's hard it really is and i've been going through that a lot because i mean the pace that i used to keep i would get up at four or five when caspian was really little because that was the only time i could work mm -hmm. and i would just like do projects as fast as i possibly could because i had so much to do and i was just rushing through it and now like I've created this life for myself very intentionally where I don't have to do that. And yet I so often feel like I should be doing something. And uh, yeah, when I'm reading a book, which is a great book and something that, you know, is, is making me think about the world a different way, like it is useful. And yet I try and tell myself I'm wasting my time by doing this or, you know, whatever. There's, there's so many activities that are so good for us that someone along the way lied to us and told us that we're not using our time well doing those things. And it's not true. That's not true at all. Yeah. And I, I would venture to guess that you guys are a lot more happy and feel a lot more fulfilled doing what you're doing now than you were even a year ago or two years ago, you know, a lot slower sure. pace and... Yeah. You know, focusing on totally the things that matter. Sure. Well, I talked to Eric a lot about the world before the technology that we're so used to. Um, back when people just had time to sit and think, just sit and think, just have big ideas or like sit after a conversation and think, well, how does that conversation fit with everything that I thought I knew? Or mm -hmm. do I need to challenge my assumptions? You just had time to think about the world and people don't have time to think anymore. It's just like information constantly coming at them and they can't synthesize it. And um, I worry for our young people a lot because they're just bombarded with messages and don't have time to figure out like which way is up and what's going yeah. on. And they don't so. have time. It's like, it's, it's, it's like a debt. It's a detriment to them because I feel mm -hmm. that they're just bombarded, like you said, and everything's so fast paced and you, yeah. you know, swipe through things and things are just very short in duration now, all mm -hmm. videos and everything. I mean, every single social media channel has short, you know, YouTube has shorts and Instagram yeah. has the, the stories and everything's just like these short little, you know, TikTok. Where is this, you know, something like this, an hour long show where you actually can have a discussion and you can go back and think about things afterward and right. use critical thinking skills. And, you know, it's just, yeah. it doesn't seem to really be there. And it's, it's worrisome. I agree, you know? Yeah. And so, that's just, that's something that I've reclaimed. I mean, yeah. I, I don't feel that I've had that since college, maybe like was the last time that my life was in such a way that I could just sit for a little while and quiet before I had a, you know, a smartphone. Yeah. And, um, and there's definitely a lot to think about on this trip because I have seen so much that has challenged, uh, challenged me, um, you know, 
made me want to think about things differently and share that, but it's taken a lot of time to think about how I want to say it and why I want to say it and, and all, all of that. It's just, yeah, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have that opportunity. Yeah. Sean says, 1995, we had answer machines today. Well, I texted them five minutes ago. Why that, Why haven't they responded? It's true. That is or true. you send an email at work and you're like, what, what's taking this person so long? I sent that an hour ago. Like mm -hmm. everybody yeah. wants instant gratification, instant response. You know, it's a very fast pace. It's exhausting. It is. It's exhausting. We can't <laughs> keep that up. We really yeah. can't. And, and it's, it's been this way for so many years now that I think even those of us who can remember a time when it wasn't like this, we're starting to internalize it and like change our standards and thinking, well, maybe I should be responding more quickly, or maybe this should be a higher priority than putting my kid to bed tonight or, you know, whatever. It's, yeah. No. Putting Let's kiddos just... to bed is always the highest priority, <laughs> especially if it's Caspian. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but. Yeah. All of our bedtime stories are superheroes these days. He's obsessed with superheroes. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Yeah. It's pretty I miss that kid. No. But um, one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about, you guys have had some, some problems on along the way too, right? A few, I mean, you've had some illnesses. Um, yeah. You were sick. Um, my time is all warped, but I think a couple no, of weeks okay. ago. Yeah, it wasn't long ago. Yeah. I was crazy sick. Yeah, for several days, I think, or at least, or maybe even Yeah, I weeks. was like in bed, couldn't do anything for like a week. And wow. there was a border crossing in there somewhere. So yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And that came on the heels of a tornado that ripped our awning and a really bad stuck in the mud incident like worse than we had ever been stuck that took about two and a half hours of literally backbreaking work for eric to get out of because there was nowhere to winch to so it yeah. was all max tracks and shoveling and uh we did have a tropical storm come through costa rica so we had to take some cover inside for that so yeah, we did go on a streak there. I feel like we're maybe Challenge. coming out of it a little bit, but it was a lot back to back. Yeah, they've got rain and tropical storms and they're like, come on down to Costa Rica and visit. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> yes, Eric, I'm getting ready to show the tornado video. Just hold on one second. <laughs> Gosh, man. Let me see if I can uh, get it so working Andy here. wants to know where's the moped video. Oh, moped video. Yeah. There's a moped video? Not no. me. Not you? <laughs> well, let's watch this one real quick. Hey, we are in central Honduras. It's rainy season. As you can tell, we are soaking wet. You think we'd be like really upset right now, but we're not. Our <laughs> shadow on just exploded. There's a huge gust of wind and it usually, it took out the arm of our awning and turned it up 90 degrees. So our awning got pushed up completely up against the tent up there. We got together with some guys here and uh, they helped us bend it back down. It's not fixed. This is me to hear. So yeah, we lost the awning. Yes, I have that stuck in the mud one too, Eric. <laughs> Who's running this show? He's stealing all my thunder. What God, the heck? Eric. Hey, Andrew, uh, Andre wants to know where you're at in Costa Rica. We're in Coco, which is on the Pacific coast. 
Yeah, been fun. they're getting She's ready to make down to Costa Rica full time. Oh, okay. Like, oh, wow. in, a, in a week or something. Like really? super Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her awesome. Monday. Congrats. Oh, Cindy's having side oh. combos here. Okay. Oh, so, gosh, Cindy. <laughs> so let me remove that. Okay. So let's talk about that. You, you lost the awning. Are you guys going oh, to replace it, was- it or? Yeah, well, it was just so crazy because when we got to this camping place, which was right by a waterfall, it was hot. It was crazy hot. So we parked in the shade, but Caspian's like on the swing. He's just having a lot of fun and it was going to rain, but it rained every single day because it's rainy season. So there was nothing unusual about that. And we had our awning out for the rain, which there was nothing unusual about that either. But all of a sudden, like the wind picked up and it was like a freak gust. And I said in the video, it was literally like a giant took it and just bent it up 90 degrees. Mm. And it happened like that. And then it was gone. And we didn't know until the next morning that a tornado had come through. And so we must have got like the tail of the tornado. But this giant branch fell right next to the Jeep. Like if it had been five feet over, it would have fallen on the Jeep. And then it was raining so hard that we were in standing water up to our ankles. And I looked at the side of the field and I said, Eric, there's electric lines there and they're live. Meanwhile, a tree fell on the line. I was like, we need to get out of this field right now because we're in standing water and we're going to get electrocuted. So we literally like had the tent up, the awnings all jacked against it, and we drove out of the field with Caspian in the back in the house. You were standing in the standing water when you were telling him that, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I was. I totally was. I was just trying to, I was glad Caspian wasn't and that was basically as far as my thought went. But yeah, anyway, so we are getting a new awning, but it was not an easy thing. Um, No, I can imagine. The import tax for Costa Rica is 37%. And so we have to pay 37% of the invoice price getting the awning shipped to us. Um, Thankfully, OK four-wheel drive um, gave us a really kind discount on the awning. And so it's not as much as it could be um, yeah but we still have to pay that tax to Costa Rica well, they so, still want the tax money that's for sure they still want the tax money but yeah I mean we we learned from friends in Guatemala that trying to get um vehicle parts shipped to you as a foreigner mm-hmm. it can get stuck in customs and you might never see it and mm-hmm. so we knew that we needed to partner with a business here so we found like a four by four shop to help us import the awning and so like it got uh, was flown into Miami and then he took care of it from Miami and uh, that way it didn't get stuck in customs so it's in it's in Costa Rica it'll be installed soon awesome yeah you're gonna need that (laughs) it gets hot and sunny Well, yeah, and it's still raining every day, which for us is the bigger thing because we our habitat isn't big and I have to cook outside. I can't cook inside. So without an awning, like what am I doing? Cooking in the rain? No, No. there's not been much cooking going on lately. No, that's not a good time. (laughs) So I'm going to show a little bit of the, what's that, Arla? We're we're being asked which coast. It looks like a- Oh, we're in in Wanakoste. Yeah, we're in Wanacoste, so we're not on the Jocko coast. Okay. We're on the peninsula. Gotcha. Okay. Let's see. Oh. Brittany may cast you and hold her bottle of wine during our escape. <laughs> I left that part out. 
Thanks, Sheesh. Eric. She didn't want to tell anybody that. No, it's, it's no, in the YouTube kidding. video. It's all good. <laughs> all right. So this, if I can get this one to play without all the commercials of YouTube um, coming up. Oh, yeah. Oh, see, I got it. I got a commercial. Dang it. Month in election, then you might already know about the zero dollars down. Ah, excuse me, everybody. Okay, you it's like clay. Anybody need some pottery? You got you. Powerless <laughs> Life Pottery coming soon to our online store made with Nicaraguan mud right here in the heart of Nicaragua. So we are on the last tire of our repositioning. We hope that we're making the right decision. It's just hard to know because all around us, the ground is so muddy and so wet. Meanwhile, we can see the rain coming across the field. Wow. So we're trying to be methodical and take our time. But at the same time, we're a little concerned. Rain is not what we need right now. All right, here we go. Woo. Eric, if he gets out to just go as far as he can, keep the momentum, and I would catch up with him later. <laughs> just caved in the tires. Oh my gosh. Gosh. Yeah. That that's so nuts, you guys. Yeah. Nightmare. It looks nuts. That that looks Weird. like my tires in the Ozarks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mud slick. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was slick, but it was so thick. Like it really was like clay. And so it was just impossible to do anything with it. Oh yeah. And yeah. But you like kept yourself one. clean, which is what's important, except for your shoes. Yeah. Except yeah. for my shoes, because I was wearing chacos. But yeah. They ran soft. I had I had mud in my toenails for days. <laughs> but, but the crazy thing is, so that was like three days after the tornado. So it was yeah. literally like right after that happened. <clears throat> Wow. No, I got a lot of uh, hate because I, when I got myself stuck, I was barefoot in mud. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, whatever. Like, hello, people. Yeah. She's the barefoot overlander. Duh. Uh, hello. Come on, people. <laughs> New people Haters around here. Hate. They do. So yeah, you had, um, you had the one illness recently. You had the awning, you had the mud. You had another illness, I think, when you guys were in Mexico. Maybe just yeah. drank something or ate something that didn't agree or Yeah, I did get both Caspian and I got really sick in Mexico. But yeah. honestly, it I mean it's like we said, it's been ten months. So yeah. considering it's been Not ten bad. months, we haven't been sick that much at all. 
And we really haven't had that many tummy things at all. Eric hasn't had, well, he had like half a day that he was down for his stomach. And then Caspian and I, I think each have had two things. So really not that bad. That sounds like normal U.S. life. I mean, in yeah. 10 months, mm -hmm. you know, in 10 months you've gotten stuck, something's broken and you've gotten sick, you know. Yeah. Yeah, seem... it's just that when you're on the road, like you don't have the infrastructure that you're yeah. used to having in the States. And so if you need to print something, you don't walk to your home office and like press a button. It's a whole process. It's like, is do I have internet on my phone? Okay, let's go to Google, Google Maps. How do I find a place with a printer? You know, queue up in line. What language are we speaking? How do you say landscape or portrait in Spanish? And, you know, this, this yeah. little thing becomes so complicated. And that's just printing a piece of paper. So when we're talking about illness or something like that. It's, you have to build the infrastructure as you go. Yeah. For yourself. I mean, and yeah. you have probably have to print a lot of things for the border crossings and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, borders are easier because everybody has to print stuff for borders. Yeah. And so in the border towns and even right at the border, there's usually a place. I think the hardest thing about that is that you're changing currency at the same time. So crossing yeah. from Honduras to Nicaragua, we had already changed our Honduran money into Nicaraguan money, but the print shop was on the Honduran side and they didn't take Nicaraguan money. So that was, that was funny. So I want to talk a little bit about, I'm going to switch uh, gears here. I want to talk about your paragliding experience. Okay. How was that? Because you did that fun. for your birthday, right? I did, yeah, for my 35th birthday over Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Uh, yeah, Eric gave me the gift of a paragliding flight, which I had never done before and had been thinking about doing for a while. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I loved that it was over the lake. There was something really cool about that, especially. Very cool. We're going to show a little bit of that video see if it'll cooperate oh okay <laughs> oh it's doing crazy things excuse me that's okay it's it's oh, okay we don't need to hear about this. a bra <laughs> hold on the overlander this is something else <laughs> this here is my life where is the oh. bra gaps i I'm can't like stop it shifting, we're gonna learn about bras sorry <laughs> that was great okay and i'm still are you guys still hearing it let me remove it completely no, no i'm not okay good I'm hearing it still. No, but I'm still seeing it. In your mind? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Never let me add away. it back when she's done. Where is it? Lord. I don't even know where it is right now. Okay. You got this, Misty. You got this. Anyway. Like a bad Victoria's Secret commercial. Oh. Yikes. It's still happening. It was family friendly, Eric. I know the you. Raw commercial came on. <laughs> okay, let me see if it'll show. It's not showing. Okay, well, we'll talk about that instead. I don't know what happened there. I'm getting crazy. It's not. It's not working. What are you okay. looking at exactly <laughs> during the show? I tried to push play, and then the tab came apart from you know Google. How you can have the tabs? The oh, tab no. went off on another screen, and then the bras and all the things. So we're going to just skip it. So what was that experience like? <laughs> so I'm, 
I, I met up with the company in a town and then I had to hop into a van with the pilot who was flying with me, the driver of the van and some young person who I didn't know who he was. And we went on like a 20 minute drive through all of these twist and turny hills going up, 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 up to a cliff that overlooked the lake. And um, the hardest thing for me was actually not the heights or anything like that. It was the fact that Eric had asked me to film. <laughs> so oh, like, you'll see in the video, the camera's like, whoa, whoa. Like, yeah. all over the place. <laughs> that was the hardest part. But, yeah, it was amazing because to take off, you literally run for the cliff. And that's how you take off. So yeah. it's very dramatic. I don't Your voice so. was a little nervous, it sounded, when you, when you first got off the cliff. Yeah. But you, you recovered quickly, yeah. That was like the most exciting part of the whole flight was the initial takeoff. Because it's honestly pretty chill after that. You're not going fast. You're just kind of drifting a little bit. So yeah, it was really fun. So has that kind of sparked your interest in doing other things like hang gliding or any of that yeah, kind of I, stuff? I think what I learned about myself was that that was not extreme enough for me. Oh. And so I need to find a bigger thrill. So yeah, skydiving is definitely on the list. I'm going to have to work up to that one. Thank you, babe. Thank gonna you, have to work up. <laughs> You may or may not get commercials, but yes. About bras. <laughs> You're yeah, in the market. Depending on your search history. Yeah. I don't <laughs> buy bras on the internet. But maybe my husband does. I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know either. But anyway. So one thing I'd like to know, um, and I think our audience would like to know, is if, if there's one thing that you could tell people or a few things, what would, what what do you think people would be surprised about full-time travel? What's one thing they'd be surprised about, you think? I think the thing that you need to know about full-time travel or maybe whatever that big thing is in your future that you're looking forward to is that you're taking yourself with you. And so you may think that by changing your circumstances or your surroundings, that everything is going to be different, but it doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. And so if you have conflict in your family or things that you wrestle with personally or things you need to lay down that you always knew you needed to, but you haven't fought that fight yet, all of those things go with you. And you will continue to deal with them, even when you're looking out on the most beautiful beach you've ever seen. You're still there with yourself. I feel and... attacked. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. It is. Yeah. That's you're dead on right. Yep. Yeah. No matter where you go, there you are with yourself. Yeah, and, and especially else you're with. Yeah, for sure. And for us, like we had been traveling for so long, but it was a three-year buildup to this takeoff. And uh, yeah, you just, you hinge everything on it and there's so much preparation and you just think it's going to be like everything you wanted and the answer to everything. And it has been amazing and I am still all in, but as far as like all my baggage as a person that everybody has, like I still have those things that I need to deal with. And I think sometimes that's caught me off guard. Yeah. That's, that's very true. So 
One other thing we talked about last year was, um, and I know he's still young, but Caspian's education and what your thoughts were on that. And we talked a yeah. little bit about learning through experiences, unschooling, things like that. Is that still what you plan to do? Yeah, so we have been getting more and more questions about his schooling. I didn't get used to get asked about it as much, but now that he looks like he's eight, because he's so tall, even though he's only five years old, people. Yeah, it's like one of the questions we get asked the most. But to answer it, yes, I am all on board with more of an unschooling model right now. So we are learning from the people that we meet. We are learning, um, I mean, we're just, there are questions all around us everywhere that we go and he's asking questions constantly. So we're just digging into all those things. And I mean, we still have like a writing book and a math book and a few things here and there, but they're more supplemental. We don't use them religiously. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just, I'm really confident that this is an excellent way to learn. And I know that it's super outside the box for a lot of people, but we all need to know people skills and we we need to know about how the world works. We need to know about critical thinking. Those are the things that we need to know as we come into adulthood. And in certain areas of education, those things are not tended to as, right. as much as they should be. And I am giving them my full attention <laughs> with Caspian and I think he's gonna be better for it. And he's such an inquisitive little guy anyway. I mean, he's always asking questions and you can tell his mind's always working, you know? And yep, that, I was gonna mention, you guys have a great blog about your parenting philosophy and about that, um, yeah. which I've shared think, on my page as well, because I think it's just, uh, you, you captured it excellently. I mean, just very succinct with what your thoughts are on that, you know? Yeah, thank you. That was That article was written in answer to all the questions that we've received so many times. And it's our parenting philosophy and the education piece and the socialization piece and everything that people question about our lifestyle as far as Caspian goes. Yeah, he's well socialized, people. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's very well socialized. Yeah, he's now in two languages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, That's awesome. And he's just learning for, through immersion right? Or did he, has he taken any lessons, any actual lessons? Yeah, we or? actually have. He, we've done Spanish school a couple times now, two okay. different times in Mexico and Guatemala, but I found that he learns best through play because those are the things that he's trying to say are the things that the yeah. other kids are saying. And so he tends to come away from school, not remembering <laughs> what he learned. We're like, what did you learn today? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But then he picks things up on the playground all the time. And we hear him trying out things that we didn't even know he knew how to say. That's awesome. So it's very exciting, which, by the way, is the way every baby learns how to speak a language, right? Yep. I mean, we it's just right. by listening and being immersed. So we're, we're about to be in one place in Costa Rica for a month. And that's partly so Eric can write his book. But it's also so Caspian can hopefully go into a completely Spanish-speaking school. And oh, the awesome. point is like not academics. It's simply to get better at Spanish and to have friends to play with. That's awesome. Oh my yeah. gosh. He's going to love that. For sure. Absolutely. So now that it's a year later since we talked to you last and you guys have been traveling through other countries, you've gone through, I think, what, four or five other countries now? 
I would have to name them. So Mexico, (laughs) Belize, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica. Okay, so more than four or five. Yeah. (laughs) So what's one thing when you first started out you wish you would have done differently now looking back? Is there anything? We prepared really well for this trip. And we had the advantage of having been on the road for so long. And so as far as the gear that we brought and our build, we have been so thrilled. And and we ask ourselves this all the time. Like, can you think of anything or what do we need? Um, We have learned that the Jeep could be a little bit more capable. And so in retrospect, if we had had the time and the funds, we would have added lockers for Mm -hmm. sure and possibly re-geared the Jeep Gladiator, um, which fortunately are things we can still do um, mm-hmm. and that we're, we're looking at doing. But yeah, that Nicaragua experience taught us a lot. And we have the Sport S Gladiator because it has the highest payload capacity. And for yes. overlanding, that's what you have to look at. I mean, the, the capacity is hundreds of pounds more than the Rubicon. Um, which is what our Wrangler is. And so it was just no question. We had to get the Sport S, but the Sport S doesn't have lockers. So I think we could use those. And those are on our wish list for Santa Claus. What did Sean say? Jeeps can be improved with Land Rover swap. (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) They say say you have to love the vehicle to take a trip like this because everything's going to give you problems. And we're a Jeep fam through and through. Same. Oh, yeah. So we'll take take the good with the bad. You guys have been a Jeep family a long time. Yeah, well, it's all we know. So, yeah. So, um... Now I forgot what I was just going to ask you, darn. Sorry, Jeeps are distracting. We did extend our breather tubes. Tell them about our water crossing incident, Brittany. Oh, yeah. Well, this was the latest saga (laughs) is that we, well, it's rainy season, so all the rivers are higher. And we recently went the wrong way out of two possible routes to where we were going (laughs) across a river that all the locals know are impassable. So they don't take that way. They go the other way. But we got our wires crossed and started into this river totally shallow. You could see the bottom. We had done this a million times. Well, we get two thirds across and all of a sudden the Jeep starts doing (laughs) this. And I look out the rear view mirror and I'm like, Eric, the water, it's it's going over the wheel well. So like we, it was so high and we have never been in water uh, yeah. that deep before ever. And uh, technically the, well, a stock gladiator isn't supposed to go over 30 inches of water because of the electronics. And this was over 30 inches. So it was really freaky and we weren't sure whether we had totally ruined our Jeep, but I think we're okay. Yeah, I saw that and I saw all the people asking, did you check this? Did you check that? Did you get water in here? So, yeah, yeah. I remembered what I I was going to ask you, by the way. Okay. It is about the Gladiator. So you guys had the long range tank put in last year. Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you used it? We use it way more than we thought we were going to. Did you? Okay. Yeah. We originally were like, well, we're, I mean, well, we use it in that we keep fuel in it. As okay. far as would we ever have been stranded without it, Eric would have to leave a comment. I don't think so. No. I don't think we've no. been that far afield. But there will definitely be times I, in South America, probably Africa, and definitely Australia, that we will need that tank. 
So yeah, um, yeah, we did. We usually the Rubicon. You guys had um, gas fuel on there, and then you ended up taking it off because of the weight, and that you didn't really use it. And so I remember us talking about when you guys got the tank put on. You said, "Well, probably you know, just keep it empty and use Mm -hmm. it only if we need it," and you know. So we I'm don't just keep curious. It full. Yeah, no. we don't keep it full, but it is really nice sometimes because the gas price can change so much from country to country. And so that's a place that we can save a lot of money just kind of by knowing what the different prices are before we cross the border. And something that I love about the long range specifically on the Gladiator is that it balances out the weight from the stock tank, which I think I may have mentioned last you time, did. but yeah. the stock tank is on one side and the long range is on the other. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a really nice feature feature of it and it's low and it's center that's awesome yeah so i put up on the screen here how people can contact you guys and find you on different socials and then you also have go ahead i was just gonna say we're super approachable so i know maybe not everybody is but we're, we're super approachable we love answering questions i especially love answering them about traveling with kids that's my especial passion so please don't be shy. Yes. And then there's also ourlistlife.com yes. where people can read your blog posts and different get a different information. Oh, you got a new fa- uh, you, Patreon. Nice. So appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show tonight, Brittany. I really enjoyed oh. seeing you again. I'm so glad we got to catch up. And Me we'll have to hit guys. you in two years thank and you. see see what's changed next year. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, it will be on a new continent. So, wow, that's oh, wild. Wow. Oh my gosh, that'll be so exciting. Well, thank yep. you so much yeah. for watching tonight, everyone. We appreciate it. And go check out Hourless Life on YouTube and all the other socials. Have a good night. <laughs>